I also made the case for owning Bitcoin, the quintessence of scarcity premium. Scarcity premium. It's literally the only large tradable asset in the world that has a known fixed maximum supply by its design. The total quantity of Bitcoins cannot exceed 21 million. Bitcoin is the hardest money that has ever been invented. If you don't have my private key, you cannot spend my Bitcoin, period. And this is the power of Bitcoin. It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Talking to Bits, where we walk you through Bitcoin bit by bit so we can provide you with the information you need to succeed and persist. Back where episode 61 got some amazing people here in the house that are willing to give me their time. I got Des Dickerson here. CEO at Thunder Games, and I got Jack Everett, uh, also CEO in, in a different way. I've never seen that before of Thunder Games. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me. Appreciate it. No worries. I'm actually CXO. <laughs> CXO? Is that okay? Yeah. So, yeah, it's CEO because it's like chief experience of it, but it's a different. Way. Yeah. CXO, we change it, isn't it? Jack is. That is- a- <laughs> Is that a Jack common is, thing? I, I call Jack the founder too. Jack founded the company, so he's founder and chief X CXO. Yeah, we're getting it. CXO. That's the first time I heard of it. So I'll correct that. CXO CEO. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, before we get into all the cool stuff that then the games got going on, and we talk about the company a little bit, I like to you know give you a, a little bit of you know some time here to let the listeners know more about you guys. Whether that includes your Bitcoin story or not, I leave that up to you. Yeah, um, I can go first. So, oh, Bitcoin story. Um, so I've been actually in working full-time in Bitcoin for quite some time. Um, I was at Lightning Labs um, as VP of business operations for about four years. Um, and one of the cool things that um, I got to work on was business development and really had a bird's eye view on what was being built on top of the Bitcoin and Lightning networks. And I've got to kind of see those ecosystems evolve. And one way that we really looked at it was, um, you know, by use case. And um, we always were thinking about like, okay, how do we onboard the next billion people? And that was something um, that the team really thought about. And one of the ways that I thought were was the most interesting was gaming, obviously selfishly because I really like video games, but also because in my view, it is the um, the least friction. It has the least friction in terms of onboarding. Um, so you know, you think about everyone goes through that familiar flow of downloading an app from the App Store or Google Play. And, you know, we've all done it. We've all downloaded apps. We've all probably downloaded games as well. And you download it. And with our app, our games, you just download it. You play and you win Bitcoin. There's no insane um, onboarding process in terms of KYC. You don't have to sacrifice your firstborn um, just to get some Bitcoin. And you don't have to spend your own money. Although I know we all think of it as, you know, dirty fiat money, but, you know, most people are working incredibly hard for their dirty fiat money. So um, with your first experience with Bitcoin, um, the best way to do that is by earning it for or winning it for free. So that is kind of the experience that we offer um, for our customers. And we really view gaming as the logical on-ramp for onboarding the world to Bitcoin. Jack, if you want to introduce yourself. She made it tough, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep it. I'll keep it 
short and simple. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I've been doing like mobile games for a long time since the App Store first started. And also been in Bitcoin since 2013, where I guess I like everyone else. I just jumped on a hype, like at the top of a hype cycle, probably bought some Bitcoin and just like, you know, then it crashes. (laughs) That's everyone's first step into Bitcoin, isn't it? The unsatisfying loss of buying Bitcoin and then you're already losing money. um, I was was in it for the tech, let's say. And... um, (laughs) So I uh, did some Bitcoin mining and just some trading and like bought shit coins and just like realized all of this was a waste of time and just, you know, turned into a holder of Bitcoin. And that was, that was it for my journey for a while. And then um, when the Lightning Network came out, I was like, whoa, shit, we can actually uh, put this into games because it solves a lot of UX problems that on-chain Bitcoin had. So I did an experiment and um, created Bitcoin Bounce for the Lightning Network conference in 2019 that was in Berlin. Took it and it was like my icebreaker. So I'd show people the game and say, I'm working on this, what do you think? And so I could make some friends. Uh, Desiree actually uh, was part of the organizational team pretty much for the conference. For the conference. Yeah. And um, so I didn't actually meet you there, mm-hmm. but then Desiree and I met in virtual reality when the coronavirus hit. Uh, uh, the Gox, uh was it the Mingox virtual reality? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the first Mingox was like was an esports tournament uh, virtual reality event, and the first one was like I don't know what it was really like. It was like a networking. Yeah, yeah. Networking. We it was like um, the guys at Zebedee. Jack, myself, I think Udi was there too. Yeah. And we had all just like kind of <laughs> yeah. met up to talk about doing this esports tournament um, online because, you know, obviously everything was, um, you know, shut down. There's nothing going on at conferences. So we all like met in VR, which is like totally strange. So, yeah. So, like, literally with the goggles on and everything? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never done VR. So, I'm <laughs> love it. Desiree looks exactly the same. And I think I was like, <laughs> like an alien or something <laughs> i don't remember um i love yeah i love vr i could spend like hours i mean i have sp- spent like numerous hours playing like beat saber and all that fun jazz so yeah i gotta yeah. catch up in that instance um so was lightning actually already being done in games before you know that hole where you guys decided because everything is shut down that we, we need to do something and start giving away Bitcoin for these games or these e- esports. What, was Lightning already a thing? Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and excuse the, the ignorance, by the way. I just haven't been following uh-huh. that. <laughs> the, the Lightning Network was definitely around. I mean, Jack was definitely one of the earliest, earlier people. Um, There's obviously a big shout out to like Chris Moss and Zebedee Mandelduck, who was building a lot of neat things. Um, Satoshi's Games had a website where you could... Yeah, that was uh, Bitcoin really playing Mario, I think. Yeah, yeah. They have, then they like kind of built their whole like eight bit arcade with lightning payments, and also um, Constantin Nick. You know, he had built um, Bitcoin Bounty Hunt, and it was really good. Um, so there was, you know, bef- even before October of 2019, you know, people were hacking around, doing some really cool stuff, and you know. I know Chris Moss, he had been thinking about this for like a long time and really tried with like doing Bitcoin gaming. Um, and you know, he's really been around for a while. So yeah, it's, you know, it's still very new. Right. So, um, 
definitely. Yeah, I see. I got introduced to Lightning with uh, I think it was 2020 November, and it was just a podcasting thing, the value for value that was going around, and you know the whole podcasting index. And then slightly after that is when I bumped into what you guys were doing, and I actually played Bitcoin Bounce. Uh, that was my introduction. Still love it to this day. Um, I I say that that old statement of like if I could get a dollar for every time I had away from my wife. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> now this mm-hmm. is actually happening go. in real time. <laughs> Wait, I love that. We need to start using that. Yeah, no, it's legit. Like it's I she's habitual late at things or takes long. And it's like I, I, I'm not a big mobile gamer before Thunder Games because it's just no reason to play Candy Crush for 300 hours and get nothing in return. And now the incentives line up for me to say, well, not only can I kill some time and play something really cool with an easy entry point, as you guys said, but yeah. That time doesn't get wasted. I guess I'm sad for it. It's incredible. <laughs> we have now um, four games in the App Store and Google Play. Um, Bitcoin Bounce, yep. Triple 84, which is like an endless runner type game, you would say. And then um, we have Thunder Bay, which is a match three bubble shooter. Super cute. It's got like this little cat. He likes to drink cocktails on the beach. And then <laughs> there is... Um, Snake, which is my personal favorite. Love it. Because it's just, everybody's played Snake. Like everybody, it's like the OG mobile game. And we created that because we were like, okay, you know, we're having these conversations. You know, a lot of people like yourself, like I was never into mobile games before either. Like there were a couple, but I wasn't a mobile gamer. And so like, how do you introduce people both to mobile gaming and Bitcoin, right? And so if you lower that kind of barrier to entry and play on the, the nostalgia factor, they're like, okay, Snake is super simple. Everyone knows about it. Even young kids, like I've been surprised, they know Snake. Um, and it then, so they've already gotten past all of that piece because they already know. And so it makes it much easier to explain to them the Bitcoin piece. So, Yeah, no, that's, that's actually fascinating because, you know, I think about onboarding people. I always think about like the private key aspect of it and getting them to cold storage. But you guys have literally just eliminated all that complexity by saying, hey, try this out and, and you'll, you'll be able to get these sets, which is fascinating. I love um, Snake as well. Um, I do got one question that probably you guys have gotten a gazillion times in this. I remember in my old Nokia phone, I used to be able to traverse past the screen and go into the other side. Is that Was that on purpose? Did you guys leave that out or was I just playing a shittier version of Snake? <laughs> no, no, I think that... That one, the no walls was the second version, right? Yeah, that's Snake 2 with no walls. Ah. Uh, I mean, we went for Snake 1 because, like, adding the walls mean, makes it harder for people creating bots to cheat because otherwise they could just do a script that made the snake go down, 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 that like, you know, in, in a circle. Um, so because of the walls are there, it adds an obstacle that is harder to make a script for. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. I didn't know I had part two. I just thought I was always playing Snake, so learn something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We get a lot of requests for doing the walls and I would love, or doing no walls. I would love to do no walls because it's like more chill, like snake right now stresses me out. And so (laughs) take the walls down, it'd be great. But obviously, yeah, there's some constraints. So we're like currently working through that. Well, now that you say that, uh, it sounds like you guys are working on the games and the apps internally. Can you talk a little bit about like, do you just partner up with developers of apps or or do you got a a dedicated team to making apps? How does that work in house? Yeah, you want to take that one? Yeah, we've got um, we've got studio uh, gaming studio in house, so we develop all our games uh, from the design process to actually you know all the way through to launch, which has been really cool. We've got a few games uh, coming up soon as well, which we're really excited to release. 
Um, yeah, so we, we can work with third-party game studios if they want to work with us. We're open to every, you know, all games and opportunities. Are, are, our goal is to onboard the world to Bitcoin with, through mobile games. So the more games that are out there, the more chance we've got of orange peel, orange pilling everyone. Right, exactly. Yeah, you never know when, when you'll have like a massive hit, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so an- another question on the, you know, I, I was thinking leading up to this conversation about the history of incentives in video games and, you know, way back to just having the top score on the arcade machine to like the more common, you know, Xbox achievements or PlayStation trophies or whatever. Where does Bitcoin, to somebody who doesn't understand Bitcoin, because it's obvious to us why, wh- where does the sets come, you know, at, at, where, where does it compare to the other old incentives uh, going forward? Like, is that like a hard thing for people to understand that these little sets are much more important than these trophies? No, I think it's very logical um, for people much more than like pointless in-game currency. I mean, the first like, you know, <clears throat> the first games that like we we're aware of happened um, in the Paleolithic era. So that's like, a really long time ago, obviously. So, you know, gaming has evolved alongside humanity. And what's really interesting too, is that um, the transfer of value was always a part of gaming. And there's evidence of um, like gambling and betting um, also as early as the Paleolithic era. So, you know, there is a very strong argument to be made that gaming was always, or that value transfer was all was always inherently a part of gaming and only up until, um, you know, you see like regulations, like legality issues coming into play that games were stripped of value. Right. Um, and so that kind of like gotten to, you know, I think that the one thing that kind of deviates from that is like, you know, the arcades, because that was, you know, obviously people were paying to, to play or, you know, you get tickets in return, whatever. Um, but then also, you know, that it's all, it's just been completely stripped also when like connected gaming happened, like social gaming. So now we're like, you you can play with your friends online, which you would think, Oh, cool. Like, you know, you can add value back. Like there's a way to do that. Um, but it hasn't obviously been done and there was no value layer ever built into the internet. So it's obviously very difficult. Like, you know, one dollar it's so hard to just like send one dollar so why would anyone introduce um value to gaming and then you know all of these massive companies these like massive corporations um that do traditional gaming have been built on this um on this kind of archaic system um where there is no value and these companies are just like draining money from players who are there to have fun and they have to play for the, pay for the, you know, the game that's pay for the console and they have to play for the game and they have to pay for the subscription and they have to pay for in-game assets. And it's literally just a one-way value sink. And, you know, these people, and they're also being monetized. Like there's, I mean, you get ads in games. Like yeah. I remember playing Fallout and they were like monster energy drinks everywhere. And so it's like, you're literally basically a slave to these video game companies at this point. Um, and they're just profiting off of you. Um, and you can go down the rabbit hole. Like obviously they're collecting all this user data as well. So, um, you know, how do we like bring that value back into games and empower players, you know, empower them financially, empower them for the time that they're spending in game, empower them for the value that they're bringing back to these companies. And I think like the most 
logical way is just simply through Bitcoin and not anything, no other of this like really co- complicated scaffolding, like blockchain gaming and NFTs. But that's like my very long spiel. I don't know if you want to hop in, Jack. No, I think you covered everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've went through that whole phase of like, you know, um, the, the original Xbox and going through and, you know, being able to just, you know, the, the barrier was low to be able to play with my friends. And then it actually started getting to the point when it came to like the 360 and that stage where, like you were saying, Des, it was like, oh, I have this map pack, but my buddy now does not have this map pack. And for some reason now our $300 console and our $60 game are not compatible overnight just because they release some type of software. Uh, and, and it's always been mind boggling. It's a shame because as an avid gamer myself growing up, it kind of seems like I can't really give that to my kids. Not because I don't want to, and we do have an Xbox and we have a Switch and all that stuff, but because it's the industry has started to become just a, a, a pocket grab for the parents, right? It, it's like, hey, you're always going to say yes to the kid, so here's a new DLC. Here's a new subscription. Here's a new thing. And that kind of just took the fire away from gaming for me. Well, also the other thing is like these games like Roblox, these kids are like making all of this content for these games. And Mm. and Roblox is making more money off of user generated content than they're putting out themselves. And so, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. I mean, they're like literally like basically like child labor. It's like. (laughs) That's fascinating. I never thought about that. And it's like, I mean, these kids are like generating massive, massive amounts of value for these companies. And why are they not being compensated? Like, why can't kids get ahead financially for the time that they're spending these games and the stuff that they're creating? Like, why why is that not possible? And it's because like these traditional gaming companies have these walled gardens. Like they have like, you know, this is the status quo. Like they're never going to give up power um, because they literally do not give a shit about anybody besides their bottom line. Yeah, I didn't think about the whole rope. Did that start with Minecraft? That whole process of just getting people to build stuff and then kind of rug pulling them without them noticing? I mean, I feel like... Because <laughs> I didn't I mean, think about I it until you said it. Now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm not like super into fan fiction stuff, but like, you know, there's always been this type of like um, peripheral market that like market and like value creation that happens around these industries. So, I mean, I've just very briefly read about, you know, like stuff like... Like that fans create around um, like Star Wars or, you know, other types of that type of fan fiction. And yeah. even though that the companies don't particularly like drain value from what from that creation, it at least props up that industry and it, or pop, props up that like movie franchise. And like they inherently then make more money. And that's like more of an indirect um, way of profiting off of user generated content, but like now with like robot blocks and like, yeah, you know, Minecraft, like this is literally directly profiting off of, of users. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you follow this much to a sort of like a beef that I got in a sense is uh, when the creators kind of get their stuff, uh, let's use the word compromised here. I, the real word is stolen. So like, you know, a lot of these new creators, these young and up and coming people are getting famous on like the TikToks of the world. And, you know, they have this massive talent making up new dances, making up new whatever it may be. And then Fortnite has a DLC pack or something that comes out where they're, you know, the little avatars doing the move. Uh, there's no royalties being paid to the creator. Do, do you guys follow that or is that just me? <laughs> I follow it more in the like, um, like the fashion. Okay industry and like fast fashion. So I, I do see a lot of creators like, you know, like Shein and, and Zara and H&M like often like 
you know, just totally steal designs, like copy paste. It's not even like changed at all. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's like a whole nother topic is like, you know, create like empowering creators. And I think just in general, Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin fixes that hopefully. Right. I mean, and that's, you know, the right, like, I think NFTs like they come from a place of really wanting to solve that problem, but I don't think it's necessarily executed correctly, but, um, you know, I think that at least it's, a, you know, shining some light on the fact that people are generating value and they're not being compensated for their work. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time, left and right. Um, and it's just, it's just a shame because, you know, ownership, right. is one thing, you know, me as a podcaster, I like to think of, you know, all the episodes I've ever done being, you know, my proof of work, my resume that I can hand out to people. And I'll be damned if somebody, you know, just takes something clever that I would say, which is probably never, but <laughs> take it and put it into a <laughs> into some type of, you know, profitable machine and then doesn't recognize all the due diligence that it takes to, you know, get the cameras going and keep all this stuff. Um, I'm more focused about it because I grew up in like, the, you know, the music industry and I see what the record labels are doing. But now that mm-hmm. we're talking about gaming, like the example I gave, I see it happening in Fortnite. You know, just taken from the creators. I do think Bitcoin can solve it, um, Lightning specifically. Um, Do you have any ideas off the head on how it can be solved? Is it just like a direct channel being opened up to to a creator where they can kind of get some sats here or just freestyling off Mm -hmm. the head? Mm. Well, I mean, because Bitcoin is programmable, you you can program it to like the DLCs, you can program it to pay out if certain uh, outcomes happen. So, you, you, but it's still quite structured. You still need to know like all the parties involved to be able to do those payments. But you can certainly, if there's like a company who is wants to create some kind of royalty-based thing, so like your Roblox example with the, the children uh, like, like labor, <laughs> They can set it up so that, you know, like a percentage of the money that goes or gets automatically paid by everyone. So the sats are streaming into your your Bitcoin wallet in real time. So that like yeah, they can't ever be taken away from you. You know, they can't like save them up for a month and then say, no, we, we've decided to close your account or something. You can reduce the risk of you being cancelled and losing all your money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's definitely going to go that way. Like you see it, like you said, with the podcasting, um, people, you know, are using Fountain, the Fountain app. I don't know if you're a part of that, but yeah, they. Shout out to Fountain. Yeah. Shout out to Fountain. They, um, they're kind of working on that problem for podcasters, and uh, which is really exciting. It's just going to be done brick by brick, isn't it? Yeah. And I know um, Crypto Graffiti, he does DJ sets where mm-hmm. you can split payments between like the producer, like the artist, um, you know, whenever like the, you're at a club and it's like getting, yeah. you're getting tips, streaming sets, like it's automatically split between like the, you know, people who created that content. Which yeah, is you could cool. even drill down to whoever the drummer was on, yeah. on, the, on the track could be like getting sats because it's all like programmed to go to the people. Yeah, that's And true. like Spotify could work like that. Can you, every time someone listens to a song, the royalty goes to like literally, you know, that hundred of people who get royalties or films, like watching a film. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just makes, but those people who get the royalties from a film, like probably have to wait every six months to get their check. Yeah. Whereas if they just use Bitcoin, it'd be like they're getting their money as soon as someone watched the, the episode. 
Yeah, I don't think people that like realize most people I didn't realize that like there is that big um, gap between like when people do work and get paid. And I'm just so used to like getting paid once a month. But then like, you know, obviously, um, you know, we have ads in our games and we get paid um, for those ads. It's one of our like tasks of monetization. And I didn't realize until I started working here that like it takes a while to get that money. Right. Um, and it, it, that's just like wild to me. Um, yeah. It takes like two months to get the money. And like within that two months, they could, they can always say, Oh, actually we're closing your account because we don't like the, your game or something. And you could lose that money. So it's like for that two months, you're like at risk. That oh, money's not yours. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, obviously we um, have an international company and there's like so many like, foreign currency, like fluctuation. I mean, it's very small, but like if you're doing the accounting and like running the budget, <laughs> it is very problematic. Cause it's like not knowing how much like revenue we have for two months is like, you know, crazy. Yeah. No. And, and depending on, you know, the situation, you put a lot of control into those entities. Like I'd like to think the Spotify example, it's like, they may cut you out of royalty check, but they're also putting, you know, the uh, the smoke and mirrors for you to actually see real numbers, right? You don't know what you're seeing. They could tell you you got X amount of numbers when really you 5X that. And then what you're getting paid out is being literally devalued. As with the Lightning, uh, as I'm sure you guys know, it's it's just going direct. There's nobody taking a piece of it. So, you know, mm -hmm. I do think it's going to go into music next. Um, I've, I've ranted on this podcast about how, you know, the whole Jack Dorsey, Jay-Z thing with title, um, that being an avenue right now for, you know, you know, fuck the record labels, basically, and getting artists to start getting their full currency and getting rid of Spotify. Um, you guys are doing it with games. So I definitely see this new wave of like, you know, forget those entities. They don't work. Pay your value directly to your creator. Um, well, not your creator, but you know what I mean? The creator who put <laughs> that work together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's interesting things to come for sure. I think my question... And I don't know, you know, how, how hands on you guys are with the actual like working with Lightning is how difficult is to work with Lightning in the sense of liquidity, in the sense of the technical specs? Is it a pain in the ass as I hear or is that just, you know, going to get better over time? Uh, yeah, it's not too. I think it's not that uh, tricky. It's just like learning a new concept, but there's not a lot to learn. Maybe there's a bit of a steep learning curve at the start. But there's only a few concepts like you just basically describe them. Uh, <laughs> and there's loads of communities like Plebnet and Ring of Fire that you can join. And they everyone's like trying to help each other learn, like learn how it works. And with like if you run your own node, you don't have to become a routing node. If you just want to do payments, you can just set up a couple of channels to to big nodes, and most of your payments are going to be absolutely fine. So um, yeah, I think it's probably not as hard as people think and I encourage everyone listening to get an umbral node or like at least join one of these communities and it's fun you know it's fun there's so much I, mean, I feel like there's from when you started to now there's just so many like more dev friendly resources where you have like LDK now right people really like that um there's like in my view like there's a lot more like better documentation um, so, I mean, I think it's slowly getting there. I think that's one thing that we severely lack in the Bitcoin community compared to like Ethereum yeah. or these other blockchains, like you have to hand it to them. Like they make it so easy to use their tools. Right. Um, 
And I think that's slowly, slowly being addressed. Is there a reason in your, in your opinion for that? Like why Bitcoiners? Because Bitcoiners, I'd like to say, are the most informative people around. I mean, they battle politics, they battle world news. Um, but why can't they just give proper documentation? It sounds like they're lacking the community. I think it's just because um, Bitcoin companies, there's less of them. They got less investment, or they're they're not like creating coins out of nothing and selling them to retail people to get loads of money. So they've less resources to do the documentation. Um, yeah, that's it, really. I think uh, it's just going to take a little bit longer. And also, the, the the kind of like lightning nodes are a bit. They're only for developers, aren't they? There's not really. They're not supposed to be super user-friendly for end users at the start. But I think with Umbro, it's starting to get like that. Yeah. It's just oh. taking like some companies with some good, like really nice, you know, a vision to bring it to end users. I mean, I don't even know if it's like good or a bad thing because also it's like, you know, Jack started forever ago where it's like, you know, we do have all of these like really user-friendly solutions coming out, but like there's no reason for us to use them because you've already built everything by scratch. Right. I mean, he's already done all of this. So it's like he understands the network and he understands like the technology at this like really, really deep level. And like, I find it incredibly valuable. I think there's going to be less and less people like him where it's like, you know, we're constantly talking about like, okay, like how can we like gamify the node? Like, how can we like, you know, do different stuff with the network? And like, I think when you abstract all of that from, you know, your business, you actually like lose out on like ways to like monetize or ways to like optimize the network. So, you know, I think there's like, it's a, you know, a two-sided coin where it's like, I think we have something so valuable at our company that like your talent is like not going to, is going to be more rare as we progress. And like, we make it just easier to just like plug and play lightning. Not that we shouldn't do it. It's just, you know, it's just the other, you know, edge of the sword. So how do we get more jacks? Uh, have you guys thought of like, you know, maybe easy onboarding programs for app developers? Because, I mean, I imagine that I used to briefly uh, try to get Android apps. I used to work in Android and, and the Google Play Store and the Apple Play Store are, you know, basically pillaging off the developers. And now with what you guys are doing, it's like you could bypass it by having a free app, but still get value and, and monetize in different arenas. So, yeah. How do we get more jacks to think like Jack? Are you, you guys trying to spread that around that information? Yeah, so whenever we have a new person join our company, we try and get them, like, onboard them onto a number node so they learn how to do, like, a channel or just they kind of, like, do it on their own because it's so it's kind of fun, isn't it, setting up a node? Oh, yeah. Especially with Umbral because it's – I think we're shilling Umbral quite a lot. But uh, there's other company, there's other products. <laughs> what the other ones? Uh, I have a Raspberry Blitz. Raspberry Blitz. Yeah. And uh, my node mm-hmm. and uh, Start8. Start yeah, nine. Start nine. Yeah, start nine. Start nine. Yeah, they're, they're already good. They're already good. Um, but so you know, like when I mentioned Plebnet earlier, there's like I don't know, ten thousand people in that. Yeah. So that ten thousand people all understand how to do a node. They understand how to do channels. These are this is where like the Bitcoin companies can find this talent. Who they need someone to run their node. They can just put an advertisement in one of those chats, and all of those people will probably want to do that job because they. Like, you know, they love it. So I think it, they are there. It's just um, people don't realize it yet. Yeah. I think also someone was at the conference was talking to me. And they're like, I think that every company will have one person running their node. 
I'd like to live in a world like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, I, I don't know if it's a secret anymore. So I work for Unchained Capital and there's a, a gentleman in our team that's a, uh, yeah, he's the lightning expert. Uh, not per position, but everybody goes to him for his node questions. And I believe yeah. he speaks highly of Plebnet as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. As well, those things. Okay. Um, so like mobile, we understand low entry to barrier. You know, everybody already has a phone in their pocket. They can download apps. Um, do you guys ever scale up to actual consoles? And how far away from are we from that? I when like I really believe in not trying to do everything all at once. Nice. Um, you know, we are like laser focused on our mission, and you know, our mission is getting bringing Bitcoin to people through games. And I 100% know that's not going to happen through console gaming right now. There's just so many barriers, and like people can't afford consoles. Like people can't even get them. I can't get a PS5. Like, you know, it's um, there's just like it's just not the way that we're going to get Bitcoin to people. I don't think that we're ever saying, you know, it's never going to happen. I mean, if we were majorly successful and, and have the funds and, you know, those, that kind of market is open to accepting Bitcoin or like somehow like integrating lightning, um, you know, we would be happy to like kind of go that route. Um, you know, I think we are now like playing around with like browser based stuff a bit, um, which I think is cool, but, um, you know, PC console gaming is not necessarily on the roadmap. Um, it's also time, not so. where the, um, the people who need Bitcoin can't afford like a PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, you know, sure. South America, uh, Africa, but they can have, they all have mobile phones, you know, an Android phone. You can get very good cost-effective Android phones that would play our games. And those are the people that need Bitcoin the most because they're the ones affected by the inflation of the dollar when it's they're using it as their de facto currency so it's kind of like we're concentrating on that because those are the people who want to play our games those are the people mobile is what our platform's best for them uh we wouldn't yeah maybe in the future we'll do some console things but not it's not in our roadmap right now yeah yeah i love uh sticking to the mission for sure and yeah it's in the ethos of bitcoin right that's where we could get these yeah. you know sub 200 dollar nodes and be able to have the power of the network all over the world so i definitely mm -hmm. respect that I wish the, yeah, I was going to say, I wish the miners was kind of going down in price instead of up, uh, but they have a different job and they have a different role to play. So uh, yeah. I respect that. So I'm going to, maybe not. Oh, Des, you said the snake game was your favorite earlier. What about you, Jack, out of your guys' lineup? Um, I would, well, I'm just going to say Bitcoin Bounce because it's what was the catalyst for everything, really. So this is the first one. He was going to say Turbo Ape. Yeah, I do like the style of boys. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I'm switching my answer to Bitcoin Bounce. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, uh, so I guess those are my two favorite, the ones that you guys get. Um, I like that gratification of being able to rack up really fast tickets really fast, you know, really fast. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. And those two games provide me that opportunity. I think the, the Turbo 84 takes a while for you to kind of speed up and get more tickets. Yeah. And the, uh, I've never been a... Um, I'm going to say Candy Crush fan. I know that's not what Thunder Bay yeah. is, but uh, that type of, you know, sitting down on my phone for too long. So I guess I'm just high time preference in games. And I like those two games, but um, I love Candy Crush. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Visually, it's addicting. I mean, the thing is like, I see my wife play and it's like those combos start rip ripping through and I'm like, <laughs> your brain is so just spazzing. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so what's, you know, you guys have had since 2019, you guys launched, you've, you know, had a series uh, A fund round late last um, year? 
A seed, yeah. A, a seed round. And I'm not the most business savvy guy, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And then I heard you say earlier, Jack, that you got a few more games in the lineup. Besides that, what's what's next for you guys? What do you uh, what, what do you guys see yourself in maybe a year from now? Overtaking the world. Yeah. Mm, love it. Well, our mission is to be like in 10 years' time, when everyone thinks back to what where they got their first Bitcoin, they want we want them to think, oh, when I played Turbo 84 or mm-hmm. so. Um, anything about our, our next plans is just to facilitate that. So we're trying to we want to scale fund the games up this year. So we, we're literally onboarded. We're like the premier way people are getting onboarded to Bitcoin. Um, and basically we're hopefully just like get Bitcoin into as many people's hands as possible mm-hmm. and then have a platform to teach people about Bitcoin. Like we really want to be like the start of the funnel to all the way down to where they actually run their own node. Cause we run our own node. Our, our employees run our own, their own nodes we want to be an example to these people as well. So we get them in, they use Wallet Satoshi or Zebedee Wallet or Blue Wallet or whatever, get their first Bitcoin. And then their journey is like everyone else's, they end up with a node because we yeah. think that's the, everyone should run a node. Yeah. Well, I do. For sure. No, I if they want to. <laughs> Jack, <laughs> um, they will, I mean, I, we, like Jack said, we have like a lot, a lot more games coming out um, that are kind of, I feel like just being held up by me um marketing them but um they're coming and um also we have like some really interesting or fun like partnerships slash collabs coming out and um you know maybe a product announcement so we'll see um lots of fun stuff i promise yeah well i want to circle back on the marketing and um i'm going to preface this by saying des that i was going to interview with you when you were in lightning labs for head of meme I think was the position. Yeah. Oh shoot, really? I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we were hiring for head of memes for a while. <laughs> I, yeah, I had no idea if I could do it, but I had an interview lined up, but I wanted to drop that in there. But when it comes to the marketing, so last week, in my opinion, I think you guys stole the whole show marketing wise with the, you know, fuck the bank's condom. Yeah. <laughs> was that your idea, Des? Was that a team effort? Who, who gets the credit for that one? That was amazing. Des gets the credit. Even if I did it, I'd have to give Des a credit because I don't think a man could get away with that kind of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Um, that was awesome. We have a lot of ideas. Jack is very supportive. And when I was like, we have to do this condom idea. I mean, I just wanted to do Thunderbrand and condoms with the fuck banks was um, Jack's idea. So it was like definitely a team effort. And then Lightning Store, um, shout out always to them for the amazing swag, but he hooked it up and honestly did all the ordering and like the logistics work for us. So that was even better. And yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, obviously we're small, um, you know, don't have a ton of money to spend on marketing like just getting Jack here, obviously, um, is expensive. So, um, yeah, we were just like, we only have a few hundred bucks to play with. Like, let's just, let's get provocative and like, you know, throw it out there. So yeah, it was fun. No, nah, I love the And then the thing with uh, Bitcoin community, at least on Twitter, is just like, they'll just meme you all the way up to number one. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're hoping, right? Yeah, yeah, no, but I saw that and immediately I was like, this is fucking clever and it's just dope as shit. <laughs> and then I started like, it percolated all over my feed and I'm like, oh, a lot of people think so as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad people, I didn't, we have like a few people who like 
have access to the Twitter. So I didn't get to see all the hype around it, but everybody was like, oh my God, the condom's everywhere. And I was like, oh God, just make sure my mom doesn't see it. So. <laughs> it's a win. It's just for business. It's a clean business. <laughs> Exactly. So, so do you guys have any thoughts on the, um, on, you know, uh, Bitcoin Miami last week? I mean, most of the consensus, I think from people like me who sat from the outside was it was a shitcoin conference. Um, I like to hear from the people that are, were actually there. What are your guys' thoughts on Miami last week? I didn't, honestly, I mean, maybe you know, we had like a little table and like booth thing. And, you know, I was obviously, I, I had great people on my panels, but um I didn't see that much shitcoining. I mean, I went to, was at the conference last year, so I actually felt like, at least in terms of just walking around, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was that much shitcoining. Well, yeah, I didn't actually have time to go to any of the talks, but it didn't look like the talks, you know, had well, they were Bitcoin themed when they Bitcoin focused yeah. generally, and there was um, there was some like shitcoin companies, I guess, do have stands, but yeah. Um, but you know, like it's a massive, it's a massive conference, so you need to fill it with some things. And to be fair, that they they really uh, helped us out the Bitcoin conference. They really support the Bitcoin companies. Like we can't afford to have a booth or anything, <laughs> but they gave us a table, you know, and like they know, definitely hooked it up for us. Yeah, they gave they really support to all the Bitcoin companies. So I mean, I think you know, as Bitcoiners, we can like um, kind of siphon out like the signal from the noise and so you know i do think that there was one interesting thing we had a lot of people who had ne- who weren't into bitcoin they were into like nfts and other um you know shit coins and they would come to our table and be like oh like this is bitcoin like they learned a lot about bitcoin mm-hmm. i had you know some people in my dms like being like oh my god like i never really took bitcoin that seriously and this is like nice so you know and again, this is another one of those like, you know, both like two sides of the coin where it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't love shit coins, right? I mean, I don't at all. Um, but then on the other side, it's like, you know, there are people who are in there. And if like if you're attracting shit coin people for whatever reason, maybe they'll be converted. Like like Jack yeah. said, most of the talks are about Bitcoin. If they sat through those talks, like they're going to eventually come to Bitcoin. So if we can help people through that journey, like we've all been down the shitcoin rabbit hole for, you know, for the worse, but we all like made it out on the other end. So I think that's very important. And then also if they're like charging shitcoin companies to make it be an awesome conference and let, you know, <laughs> let us show our tech, like we did a really cool collab with Shared Bits, like showcasing DLCs and stuff. And it's like, if we are allowed to do that, even though our budgets don't allow, and it's, on the expense of the shit coins that I'm like, all right, like yeah, it's a nice cool. compromise. So, I mean, you know, Bitcoin mag is doing the best that they can. And, you know, I know people are super pissed about the shit coins and I shit coinery and I get it, but it's like, you know, being there, I didn't think it was like overly shit coinery. No, like. it's, I think it just depends on your um, level that you want it to be Bitcoin only. It certainly wasn't Bitcoin only in the conference, um, but it wasn't like, a shitcoin fest. And I imagine the companies that were there were quite high quality shitcoin companies. I don't know. I didn't really walk around the conference that much either, but you know, they had like crypto cloaks there, which were really cool. And yeah. um, they had, um, what's that card? Uh, Shamari. Shamari was there. Um, they had loads of really cool Bitcoin projects there. Yeah. All the, all the Bitcoin projects were there. It wasn't like anyone was excluded or anything. Yeah. Even that guy with the Tesla charging on lightning. Yeah. Mm, that I, didn't. I heard that. Yeah. I didn't get to see it though. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it just comes with the territory of a growing industry, unfortunately. So, yeah. And yeah. A little bit it's of just, I, recommend your, I recommend your users, go, your listeners go to it because it was very yeah. good. And people like Des are just walking around and you can get your photo with Des if you want. She's willing, anyone who wants a photo, <laughs> she'd happily have it. Uh, you heard that here first. So if you see Des it's in the airport, why don't you stop? And <laughs> uh, that's the worst. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's, you know, a little bit of shallowness from the people like, you know, some people can't go and some people choose not to go. But yeah, from the outside looking in, if everybody's having fun and you're sitting at home on Twitter, I can see where it could get really uh, bitter fingers really quick. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's not a Bitcoin maximalist conference. It's a Bitcoin focused conference. It's a it? festival. Yeah. 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 Everyone had a good time. Every, there was no like, toxicity there. Yeah. It's cool. There's a lot of, um, I, I got a lot of signal from the open source stage. Um, I didn't really care too much about the main stage. That's what I was, okay, well. No disrespect, Des, no. I thought you killed it up there. Uh, like, I thought you killed it up watch, there. Everyone <laughs> should watch my talk, first of all. That's fine. But no, you're right. The, um, they did have an open source stage, right? which I think was what they were lacking last year. And I think that's like really showing their commitment to like, you know, Bitcoin and wanting to move it forward on a technical level. So that's nice anyways. Yeah, agreed. But so, watch my talk. Definitely watch your talk. I did not mean you. I just meant overall. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all right. So scoping out just a little bit before we go here. What, what's what has you excited about Bitcoin in the next two years? And you could be biased because it's lightning, but maybe a cool project that you've been keeping your eye on or as a company, as a person. What got you excited? I am, well, I'm like just excited about like mass adoption. You know, I know like sometimes I get frustrated when it's like, why are we simping over this person or that person? Like that's not what Bitcoin's about, but it's like, I do think it's good for Bitcoin. Um, the more exposure that people get to Bitcoin in a positive way, the better. Um, so I'm excited about adoption generally, obviously always lightning. So it won't even like show that, but, um, the one project I'm so, so excited about is discrete log contracts and the SureBits team. Um, I just think this is just like really so interesting. Like, you know, obviously we're interested in a capacity of like esports betting. Um, but, you know, I think just like wagering with DLCs is kind of just the future of all betting. Um, and so, you know, that's why we did the collaboration with them there. Um, I, and I, the team is just absolutely phenomenal too. Uh, very good friends, um, Bitcoin family for sure. Um, so I really encourage people to check them out in their project. Yeah. I'm excited about mass adoption and I like the cash apps, like starting to go all in on it as well. Yeah. Um, my cash app. Yeah, the cash app there you go. Shout out to cash Rocking. app. Uh, yeah. Uh, then uh, yeah. So the uh, block, so block have got some cool projects where they're trying to decentralize um, identity and reputation into like into a wallet, basically that you, with a node that you run on your own phone or your own hardware. Like I think that's really cool because it means you don't need like a blockchain necessarily to to like or tokens to do these things, which completely undercuts all the shitcoin arguments. Um. I'm really excited to see how that uh, project pro progresses this year. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, guys, if I'm going to give you a second here to let the listeners know where they can follow you, um, where you want them to go, basically, your call to action. But I wanted to thank you both for not only, you know, answering the random tweet that I shot out there, but actually giving me your time to come on here 
and, and show me some love here on the show. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, and like I said, please let the listeners know where they can follow you and where they can see more from Thunder. Well, one, follow us on Twitter at Thunder Games, Thunder with no vowels. Um, follow us on there and then definitely join our Discord. Our Discord is like popping. Like we listen to music. We have like, we literally sit one hour um, or half hour, hour a week. We sit in an audio channel and just take um, feedback from our users, whether it's good, whether it's bad. And we do like community brainstorming. We have like an open, pretty much like an open source brainstorm idea list where people can dump in their ideas at any time. Um, we definitely try and take as many into consideration. Most of them, I feel like, are on the roadmap at this point. Um, and literally, our community is building our products. Like, if you see something happening in Snake, if you see something happening in Thunder Bay, that is coming directly from our community. So um, I encourage people to come. Also, our community manager, Cody, shout out to him. He is just like, insanely good and he's so much fun so he runs like these meme competitions and they're hilarious like i literally die laughing i don't look at discord on calls because i will start cracking up laughing so the discord we we just join it even if you don't usually get on discord because it is like literally where we all hang out all the time and then yeah download all of our games literally all of them they're so much fun they're so cute download from app store google play and then uh, every person who listens to this, please, please, please find someone who doesn't have Bitcoin and make them download one of our games. And I'm not saying that selfishly because it's like, you know, I said this on my talk. I was like, the world is going to shit. Like, look around you. It is burning, you know? And so it is our responsibility to save everybody around us. And the, you have to do that through Bitcoin, right? And what's the simplest way to do that? Listen, mom, give me your phone. You're downloading Snake. Right. Even if they just stack 10 sats, you've literally minted your own Bitcoiner and I will give you a little gold star um, <laughs> or a sticker. Literally, if you prove it to me, you've you've um, you've pink pilled someone we call it at Thunder, then I will send you some really cool holographic stickers and some of the remaining condoms. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was waiting for the condom. <laughs> like, what about the 18 and older, 18 and older. So, <laughs> that's, that's my show, Jack. No, that's perfect. I mean, yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> nah, amazing. Uh, breath of fresh air, Bitcoin-only companies. You guys are doing amazing stuff. Uh, friend of the show, if you guys need anything from the show, uh, got new stuff going on, feel free to come back on and talk about it. I appreciate you guys. We definitely Cool, cheers. Thanks for having us. All right, you're very welcome. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 61. We appreciate you guys as always. You can check us out on Bitcoin TV because we want to get away from those legacy outlets. So don't use that YouTube stuff unless you have to. And uh, we're on Fountain App and we're on Breeze if you want to stream us value for value. That's very important to be able to keep all these lights on and keep everything looking good. Um, but we're also on Apple, Apple Podcasts and all those legacy outlets as well. We appreciate your support as always. Till next time. Later. Later.